Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name is Matt Bruski and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action and welcome to another week from Wisconsin. Unfortunately, Rebecca Lynch can't be with us this week. Uh, we hope the best for Rebecca. Her and her family are going through some challenging times with the loss of her father. We feel um, and send our condolences and hope the best for her. Um, but we do have Robert Craig with us. Robert uh, Craig is our executive director here at Citizen Action. Robert, good to see you. Good day, everyone. And we are really happy to uh, also have a special guest with us, our former board member, but uh, his big title now is Lieutenant Governor. Mandela Barnes, thanks for joining us. Hey, Matt, Robert, thank you for having <laughs> me. I'm excited to be back <laughs> on this side of things. <laughs> well, it's great to have you. We really appreciate you taking the time. We know it's a much busier schedule than before when we used to have you on, so we appreciate it uh, for joining us. Uh, Robert, I know Robert has uh, going to get us rolling here. Well, because our listeners across state all know you and know you in, in other roles and you decide to run for lieutenant governor but i assume it's different thinking about what it might be like versus being lieutenant governor oh so it's I'm, much different it's yeah. much different it's, and it's much different than what what people think it would be like as well and, and a lot of that too uh is because of the relationship that i do have with the governor uh so i i'm allowed a little bit more flexibility uh, i get to go out on on, on issues that I, you know i think are important or issues that the uh you know when the governor is tied up uh, he he feels comfortable let me go out there and, and fly it's not a it's not a contentious relationship at all as as has been in the past i know i and was familiar with the doyle lawton relationship. see i wasn't even going there yeah. uh, that's, that's, <laughs> not, that's not the direction i wasn't even we going remember there. Yeah. <laughs> I remember, but uh, what's most surprising is it? Is it? That, I mean, you developed the relationship with yeah. Governor Evers during the campaign, so it wasn't a total shock. But I right. guess you didn't know when you actually filed for Lieutenant Governor. But there are other big surprises. The big surprises, like it, there's a lot. There's a whole lot to do. There's there's a whole lot to be done. I mean, obviously, we we know these things. People who, you know, kind of subscribe to policy. People who pay attention to what's going on. And you know, having been in the legislature, obviously, you know, knowing what needs to be addressed, but specifically for the role of lieutenant governor there has been a lot uh i'm enjoying every minute of it though it's a great time uh, but man it is uh there there's a lot going on uh in and in, uh, from our office i'm excited about it it's a pleasant surprise and especially you know when the governor you know a couple weeks ago signaled that uh, he wanted my office to lead the state's work on renewable energy policy which i'm very 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 excited because that's our biggest opportunity here in the state of wisconsin so you'll be working with that new task force that's in the budget, assuming... So the thing is, it's not a new task force. It's currently under the PSC. I see. Uh, it will be moved to DOA. Okay, uh, but yep. it exists already. It, okay. it already exists. Uh, you know, however, uh, there's a chance that you know, we can get a little more work done uh, if we move it to DOA. It was already in DOA, and it got moved to PSC. This well, we know where back. to go then because we're working on doing that in Milwaukee right now and have uh, buy-in from some of the top leaders in the city. So we'll have to talk about that offline. Yeah. It's not ready for public announcement, so okay. we'll hold off on Battleground, Wisconsin. Yeah. But obviously people are excited that there'd be people to work with at the state level oh, as opposed to those who scrub websites of any mention of climate change, yep. right? Yep. Uh, the, the mentions of climate change are back uh, on the state's website. It's, it's, it's back uh, in, in, in how we talk about uh, the environment. It's back in how we talk about, you know, renewable energy and our need to be a leader in this nation. You know, it's interesting early on in the show, you mentioned that you've been given a lot of flexibility to talk about the issues we care about and the values we care about. And I think that that's awesome. And heard you uh, in the response uh, to, I think that was the state of the state of the state, state of the union. Yep. Um, and you were able to talk about a number of those issues. And so I guess, um, 
Obviously, nationally, there's some exciting things that have been proposed that really fire a lot of certainly progressives and people that really want to see change and see a visionary idea of how we can create opportunity for people. I want your thoughts on, you know, we, we and we understand the current budget situation, but just thinking longer term over the next uh, two to four years, what are some of the things that you are excited about that you think similar to those kinds of agenda that might be in play here in Wisconsin or that you would like to see us be talking about to lay out that vision if, if we were to get the legislature back, things like that that um, we ought to be thinking about, Mandela. And that's the thing. It's, it's nothing new. None of this stuff is new. It's like we should think about everything that we've been organizing around for the last eight, eight years and beyond. We should think about all the issues we've been highlighting uh, then and, 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 and really use this opportunity uh, to push forward on those issues. I mean, it, nothing's changed. It's still education. It's still making sure that our schools are fully funded. Uh, expansion of health care, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, the, the immediate expansion of Badger Care, but also, you know, working towards a, a, a program that's, that's more equitable for people, creating more, creating more uh, competition uh, in, in a health care market because, you know, health insurance companies get away with a whole lot. And we need to level the playing field for the average consumer, for regular working people in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, and, you know, again, <laughs> the environment, climate change, clean energy, uh, these are the issues, criminal justice reform. We've been talking about this stuff forever. Let's talk about it more. Let's, yep. let's, let's actually get in some of these districts that, you know, and that's another thing, too. You said when we flip the legislature, you know, in four years, they won't have the luxury of these same maps. That's right. Regardless right. Of, 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 of how things go, they will not have the luxury of those maps. And we need to be very, very conscious of that. And we should not, we shouldn't, we shouldn't dial it back. We should right. double down on we, these issues. We agree. Because that's how we won last year. Right, and the we, rigging of the maps had an expiration date, fortunately. Yeah. <laughs> it had a born-on date and an end-on yeah, date. Exactly. And so, Matt, can you dig in a little, because this is the Green New Deal construct, which is broad, way broader. We have a current version in Washington, but it's, a, it's an older idea than that. But there's a construct that we can combine transforming the economy and creating opportunity for all, making it equitable, dealing with income inequality, and also prevent a climate catastrophe together, mm -hmm. that they're both twin reasons to completely restructure our economy and use our democracy to do it. So I know you believe in that deeply, but can you talk about how we can combine those two issues, that they're really the same issue, they're about how our economy is currently structured? Yeah, they're absolutely the same issue. And, you know, the amount of money that uh, people in this state send out of Wisconsin to meet our energy needs. That's, that's right. $12 billion. That is real money uh, that could be spent here in, in Wisconsin. There are a lot of small businesses uh, that are uh, you know, into renewable energy but don't necessarily have the opportunities that they need to succeed and to grow here in Wisconsin. We have major business leaders who say we're a fossil fuel state. I don't know where <laughs> right. that fossil yeah, fuel I have, is I have, produced. I have, yeah. have no idea. <laughs> and, you know, a, a, lot of these, a lot of these people are just going to say whatever it takes. I mean, you look at the, uh, you look at the guy from, from WMC where he, uh, he posted something about uh, Wisconsin being unfriendly uh, to businesses because of the tax code. Like, it, nothing's changed since Governor Walker's been <laughs> governor. So, you know, I, it, there's a level of, you know, a lot of people just choose to be disingenuous. Uh, for for whatever reason, is the same thing. Even when they talked about uh, medical marijuana, how they said that you know, business leaders all of a sudden think that that's going to be a huge risk. Like alcohol isn't a tremendous problem uh, here in the state of Wisconsin. Right. Uh, so I'm just kind of I'm kind of baffled by it. I'm, I'm I'm baffled by the just the outright uh, you know 
partisan vitriol there, and it's not even partisan. I mean, it's just like it's it's just it's ridiculous. I I don't I don't know how to explain it. Uh, however, with that being said, we do have challenges here in Wisconsin, and we have challenges globally in Wisconsin. Uh, can be a leader. We've we've met these big challenges before. Uh, we have led the nation yeah. in manufacturing. We 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 led the nation in other uh, progressive reforms, and we created models that still exist today in in all across the country. And with an issue like climate change, and an opportunity that some Green New Deal type of structure could present for Wisconsin uh, would pay dividends for generations. It would completely, like you said, change the economy. It also uh, prolong our, 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 the, the lifespan of this planet. Uh, and we can do it in a way that benefits everybody, especially uh, communities that have been left behind by deindustrialization, yep. communities that have been left behind by globalization. Uh, we can be, uh, and, and, and that's the thing too, because the technology that exists in solar, that exists in wind, it won't be the same in five years. And that's why we're investing money into research funding uh, to keep us on the cutting edge to keep our universities on the leading edge of research to make sure that our technical schools are able to provide uh, degree programs, certificate programs for people who are looking to get into manufacturing, who are looking to get into production, installation. The opportunities are limitless. Right, and the market won't just do those things automatically. Right. We need conscious direction, which is our democratic government. Um, you mentioned the partisanship, and it's, mm -hmm. it, there's a confusion among many people that partisanship is on both sides. When there's one side that is exceedingly partisan, Tony Evers has tried to be bipartisan and, they, and his put out an open hand it's been slapped away for the most part so far uh, yeah, but, slapped away and then and, and then suggested that he didn't try to talk to them right and but there but him saying he wants bipartisan bills making them talk to Democrats in the state right. Senate for the first time in eight years which is progress but you know we think the biggest thing in the budget probably there'd be a lot of big budget controversies going to be around badger care expansion because they're so adamantly opposed to it and we've been impressed how Governor Evers has been very firm. There were also efforts to have him not put it in the budget or put it in a budget in a, in a, way, in a way that would be bad for the people of the state, and he didn't do it. And do you have any insight of how strong you think he'll stand in this process? Because I don't – the public is so overly for this, he can't lose if he holds firm, in our opinion. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm confident that – we're going to hold firm on a uh, badger care expansion. It is a it, it was a core part of uh, it, it was a core part of the campaign. It's a it's going to be a core part of not just even governing or it's, it's a core part of moving the state forward, uh, making sure that people have access to quality and affordable health care. And expansion of badger care benefits more than just badger care recipients. It benefits everybody across the state. And we have healthier communities, and people are spending fewer dollars on health insurance. Well. We have to say goodbye. Oh, to man, that was governor. quick. <laughs> well, you have another meeting. You're the one with the that, that tax time schedule. Comes and goes, man. Mr. Lieutenant well, Governor. <laughs> first of all, we really appreciate you taking the time to join us. And of course, our listeners, it just remember we got to keep organizing. Organizing is fundamentally important in order to keep changing these issues. And uh, Mandela comes out of our That's organizing right. community, and we're really proud uh, to hear Lieutenant Governor with your kind of vision. So we really appreciate it. Uh, Mandela. Still a part of the organizing community. Yeah, so ab well, are, absolutely. Exactly. You can't have a conversation like that and not yeah. be. Thanks a lot. Thank with, you. With that, we got to take a break. Again, you're listening to Battleground Wisconsin. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. Again, we're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Well, that was great having Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes join us again. And um, we're really <laughs> very fortunate this week. We are lousy with awesome guests here. Uh, it is our third installment 
of Sarah What the Godlewski Does the State Treasurer Do? <laughs> we are super happy to have you back. Although we're going to have to change the title because we're starting to get a much better understanding and actually we're going to be experts in no time. But Sarah, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Matt, for having me. Okay, great. Well, we really appreciate you joining us again. And it's uh, you remain very busy. Uh, we we want to get into a couple of topics, but we want to start by uh, this week. On Monday, you and uh, the previously aforementioned Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes were talking about an opportunity in the state budget where we could potentially set up a structure to help UW system students refinance their loans. Tell us a little bit more about this. This sounds very interesting and how the state treasurer could be involved. So we, I am thrilled to partner with the governor's office um, in really thinking about how we can solve this problem that, I mean, we all know that it's a really big issue here in Wisconsin when it's $19 billion that we are talking about with regard to debt. And not just the amount, but one in five Wisconsinites are impacted by student loan debt. And oh, by the way, interest rates last year were up to 15% for students. And so the problem, which is, which is crazy, and I think it goes back to this problem which unlike your home or your car students don't have the ability necessarily to refinance and so it's now time that we stop allowing big banks quite frankly to make money off of the backs of hard-working Wisconsinites because that's what's happening and so what the governor has proposed and what we um, announced formally on Monday is this student loan authority refinancing task force. So what the task force is going to look at is really some states across the country, I think it's 10, but don't quote me on that number, but it's a handful of states, um, have set up these kind of independent student loan refinancing authorities that basically work with their citizens in their state to buy their student loans and then refinance them at a much more reasonable rate, like 4% or 5%. Um, And how they do that is through bonding. So bonding is oftentimes a mechanism um, in which you can do that. And so we, you know, Rhode Island, I think, is one of the um, really good examples that have been doing this, I think, now for about five years. And the state treasurer, um, sits uh chairs i believe that board and i was talking with him and he just said that it's it's been incredibly helpful in providing affordability for uh the people of rhode island for example and so what we're going to be looking at is is this a good solution what can this address and um just going back to i think as well as being creative and how we address this problem to make sure that we are really being effective in addressing all Wisconsinites who are impacted by student loan debt. Yeah, this just makes perfect sense. We allow very low interest loans to buy McMansions, right, for wealthier <laughs> Wisconsinites, but not for our young people uh, try starting a career. And then, of course, it depresses their ability to spend money in their own communities, right? Right. And so right. it has a, a huge economic impact even more broadly. And you're absolutely right. I mean, this is where the treasurer's office comes in, Sarah, in that this is a matter of financing, not about appropriation. We finance all sorts of things in our society. This is a very easy thing to finance because there's a reliable rate of return, just like a toll road or something like that. 
And on top of that, the loans are guaranteed. So there's actually not even a default risk for the most part. So this just makes perfect sense. But what's interesting is, is that the Republicans are saying this has all been tried before and doesn't work and we're wasting $50,000. This is what Representative Dave Murphy of Greenville says, or is it Grenville? I'm not sure. Um, then therefore, this is just a waste of state taxpayer money even to look at this. So why are you wasting state pay- taxpayer money by looking at this, Sarah? <laughs> well, all right. So first of all, we know that's not true because there's over a dozen states that have been doing this. So empirically, it has been proven that a refinance authority works. So I first want to make sure that's on the record that's that we facts. know that it okay. has worked. In other states, and I would be happy to reach out to the treasurer of Rhode Island who can talk about the success that they have been having in their state. Um, I think the second piece, though, that you talked about was this is costing taxpayer dollars. At the end of the day, it is not. This is going to be a cost benefit for Wisconsinites when they no longer are paying thousands of dollars in interest rates and they can actually be paying thousands of dollars back into their communities for whether it's a home or economic development. I mean, we know that interest rates is based paying money for interest rates. is like literally flushing cash down the toilet. You mean it that- doesn't have any economic benefits in Wisconsin. So let's actually give that money back to Wisconsinites so they can then use it to help their communities. I mean, this isn't like rocket science that we're talking about hey, here. Where are these banks located generally, and are they creating jobs in Wisconsin uh, with this interest re- interest profit? I mean, <laughs> I, from my kind yeah. of read on it all, these are big banks that are definitely not our community banks here in Wisconsin, whether it's like the larger Wells Fargo or, you know, the the, the big banks that kind of run our on Wall Street, quite frankly, those are the people who are making money on these interest rates and, quite frankly, creating this monopoly where young people have nowhere else to go. Instead of the local car dealer, hardware store, grocery store, right, uh, or the or or people who are try who you know want to sell their house and there's, there's more people to buy because there are more people with with money to buy when they're coming up in their careers. Yeah, it's it's an interesting. Um, it would be interesting to actually do the numbers on that. I'm, so we know there's $19 billion in student loan debt. So if we could calculate what is the interest that we're paying on that, and I will, I would say probably two-thirds of that interest is going out of state. It's going to banks that are not located in helping Wisconsinites. So uh, uh, State Treasurer Godlewski, um, I want to slightly switch topics or at least uh, focus on one of the things that we talked about on the previous shows, and that is right. we need to actually start to expand your capacity. We need to act and expand the powers of the State Treasurer Office. And so uh, it was. it's important to point out that the governor's budget does add uh, staff members and increase some resources um, uh, for, for, for your office. Um, and that we see that as positive, and, and we'll let our listeners know we're going to do a deep dive on on your budget on the next show. But I wanted to get your comments because within this article that I was reading, and I'll we'll have it on for our listeners. It's from um, TV station eleven, Fox Fox News eleven. It talked about how Representative um, Michael Shraw apparently before. The referendum in 2018 guaranteed he'd said that this that the referendum would go down and that if it didn't, that he would be the first one to sponsor legislation and resource 
the treasurer's office. So how how have your conversations until, gone and, with Representative Schraub about until he that wasn't. bill, that bill that you're working on with him? <laughs> well, it, yeah, it's it's funny, Matt. Just to kind of recap, so Representative Schraub was the co-sponsor of that bill on the assembly side. And when he introduced that bill, he boasted that on Wisconsin Eye into some um, major newspapers here in Wisconsin that, you know, I'm introducing this bill because I want the people of Wisconsin to have the opportunity to make their voices heard with regard to this office. But if the Wisconsinites say that they want this office and that it's something they believe is critical to our democracy, I will be the first to introduce legislation um, to restore to its full capacity. Um, but as we all know, Wisconsinites weren't even waffling on this. The significant majority said, let's keep this. We want this checks and balances within our democracy. Um, and so now people are asking Representative Shirah, um, when are you going to introduce that legislation that you were talking about just a few months ago? Uh, we can't wait to see it. And um, he says, oh, no, there's no appetite for that. But he's already asked the Wisconsin people and there is appetite and they want it. So, yeah, yeah. it's a question of who gets to decide his caucus colleagues or the people of Wisconsin. He told. <laughs> right, he, right. He, well, that's just it. Look, he told Fox News 11 uh, I didn't come out before the refer. I did. I, I did come out before the referendum question came out, and so that I would be the first one to come up with a bill to put more responsibilities back into that office if the referendum question failed. But I don't have support from my colleagues. It's kind of a moot point. That's a real profile and courage there. Just because his uh, his his friend, or his friends in the legislature won't do it. He isn't going to do it. So it's 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 uh it's just a sort of a sign of the times. Say what they want, but they don't really mean it. So hopefully, though, we can get some more resources to your office. That is very important. Yeah, and I would say to Representative Shira that I have been having meetings with his colleagues, and I would love to work together to get his legislation passed. So um, I don't know who he's talking to, but. Um, I actually think that if he put something forward, he would be at fulfilling a promise that he made to the Wisconsin people yeah, about, maybe, you know, a few months ago. Maybe Speaker Voss. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> right. Well, right. State Treasurer Godlewski, we really appreciate you taking the time. And we look forward next month to doing a little deeper dive on the on the budget and what you'd like to see uh, for, for your office and, and what that will lead to. So we really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. With that, we got to take a break here at the Battleground, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the Battleground, Wisconsin. Again, we're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. We'll take a deep breath. I assume the rest of the show is nowhere near as good. <laughs> uh, once you follow the lieutenant governor and the state treasurer... So uh, Mark Pocan gets that uh, uh, great tribute. No, we do not have Mark Pocan. And maybe we, we should have Maud on this. I know. I was going to say, we probably should have called yeah. Mark Pocan and shot for the trifecta here. But um, we want to talk about Mark Pocan threatening to sue ICE for records related to these Wisconsin arrests that occurred a few months ago. Um, this is uh, actually, I want to say it occurred last year. Was September. It last, yeah, September. yeah, last year. It seems like a few months ago, but yes. And these were these got a lot of attention. 
Um, and so, Robert, give our listeners a little bit of detail about uh, what Mark's doing, because this is actually some really good stuff, and it is leadership, to say the least. And this is crucial because ICE is a rogue agency. I mean, this really is like a mini Gestapo kind of operation in terms of its uh, transparency and, and what it's up to and what they say it's doing, what Trump says it's doing versus what it is doing. And this problem existed prior. Let's be clear that President, that President Obama was sometimes called the deporter-in-chief. So this is a, actually a bipartisan problem. I know the right likes to say that uh, the left is nuts because they want to get rid of ICE. I don't think anyone is saying that there wouldn't be any kind of immigration enforcement. It's nope. just this agency and the way yep. it operates, okay? That's so, right. But, of course, for a Sean Hannity or, or Rush Limbaugh mind, it's all one way, all You're the other. You're against borders, Robert. Open borders. Open There'll borders, be yeah. right, just because you don't have this rogue agency around. Right. And so there was a raid where 83 people were rounded up in Wisconsin, and Mark Bocan, a congressman and uh, well-placed uh, congressman, a lot of seniority, but any congressman you would get has been filing freedom of information requests, trying to get information on the raids, and has been unable to get them, is trying to sue them, has visited the office personally to try to demand the records, but even the records he's gotten, which are incomplete, completely undermine, in many ways, the narrative of President Trump and all of the, uh, the hard right on this. Uh, they say that they were they were they were uh, rounding up criminal aliens who were you know rapists, murderers, et cetera, et cetera, right? And that's bad messaging on my part because then people associate those words, right? But that's what the trick is here: is to use those words and prime people's minds, get them afra afraid over and over again. Where it appears, based on the incomplete records, that most of them were very average people who had been part of the community for a long time, and we had a member in Racine who was picked up who would who was a a, a stalwart member of the community, one of the most active people there in terms it of led social to days and justice. Protests. Yes, protests and he had, had no, no crimes, nothing. And they also did not bother, unlike usual, to what what's supposed to be practiced, to alert law enforcement agencies. All they did is at the very right when they were doing it. They basically alerted, like, and for example, we know more about Dane County and Madison because Representative Pocan represents that, that area. They gave a heads up that if, if you see suspicious cars at this location, this location, this location, don't intervene in their, their ice so that they were not, uh, you know, cars. intervened. And yeah, staking out, That's looking for someone <laughs> on their list to go. And they're not allowing them to talk to their members of Congress. They're claiming privacy. Um, that we don't even know a full list of who was, of how many people were picked up, etc. So Mark Pocan is doing a great job of bringing attention to this. This is what, I mean, this is in the old Wisconsin tradition of br of bringing up kind of like exposing government malfeasance, right, and and abuse of power, and that's what Pocan is doing. But he's asking for a very specific list of questions from them, which we can get to, Matt. But I want to compliment him for taking the lead on this, and it, and really in a way getting through the Fox News spin and the Trump spin and, and showing what this is to more people. Well, it helps explain why you've had the complete community rise up against this. And obviously, we want to thank everybody who's been long in this fight against ICE uh, here in the state. Um, this, is, this doesn't happen in a vacuum. Uh, but, Robert, you're absolutely right. The, the critical thing is there's a narrative here about who these folks are. And this really gets and lays bare that that these are regular folks in our community who've been, you know, working, fully integrated into the community that folks are going after. 
Um, and and the, the the other thing that they're not really commuting, there's no communication with these local police. In fact, um, the quote from uh, the Dane County Sheriff uh, Mahoney to say that Dane County or Madison or any of our com- other communities are radical or cannot be trusted is extremely false. They call them a radical population. It's I just miscommunications, and we know what we know. It's the opposite. So he's asking Matt very simple questions. He wants. <sighs> Actual information on contact between ICE and local law enforcement agencies, including exactly what they were notified, what individuals were contacted, what dates, time, and outcome of contact. Not this, oh, yeah, we were in touch with them. (laughs) Uh, Question number two, a list of criminal offenses or lack thereof committed by the 83 detainees broken down by individual while upholding privacy requirements by omitting personally identifying information. So, in other words, seriously... ICE is just, uh, we were supposed to believe them that these are all uh, dangerous folks. By the way, if they're dangerous criminals, you don't need ICE to round them up. Just saying, all you need to do is ask uh, local law enforcement because local law enforcement rounds up criminals of all kinds, right? And that's why this is a problem, right? Like, they've sort of broken this this whole, that, that whole system, right? If there was really a legitimate criminal... The Madison Police, Dane County Sheriff's Department would fully cooperate, and that person so would be brought where, to justice. The, but that's not what this is about. This, this is, is where completely the political. This is action. where the sanctuary city thing is a lie. They're not uh, filling up on the ICE detainers. They're just about violation, violating immigration law. If you say this is an unknown child molester, here's our evidence. Guess what? Local law enforcement will go. Mahoney will be on that door yes, real exactly. fast. And I mean, that's their point. And that's their point, and that's why this ice is out of control, and there's a lot of folks that are so upset about it. Um, well, we're going to continue to watch this and see if uh, Congressman Pocan gets any more information. I, this is not the last we've heard of this. We're going to continue to talk about this. It's a critical issue. Can't have real opportunity, folks, if we basically try to keep a whole set of community as second-class citizens. Just and by the way, the, as far as where people are from even, uh, they provided some giant list that includes the whole Chicago area. So one of Pocan's, Representative Pocan's reasonable requests is the number of people obtained by county and list of the counties in which they were housed upon arrest. Very simple question, but apparently members of Congress cannot receive this information from ICE. In what sense is that any kind of democracy as anticipated by the founding fathers and, and mothers, right? So with that, we are going to, before we go to break, we're going to take just a couple minutes to update on an issue that we talked a, a ton about during the lame duck, um, and that was the efforts of the Republicans in the legislature to essentially take the power of both Governor Evers, but also our Attorney General Josh Call and limit them. Uh, but one thing in particular that they were doing was they wanted the ability in particular cases where um, they felt there was a political difference between them and uh, the Attorney General to basically circumvent and um, have have their own um, person represent them so that and basically accusing call of being incapable of uh, properly representing uh, the state. Robert, this is uh, this is more of what we saw in terms of what's going on with these uh, with the leaders in the legislature. It's a horrible precedent. Yeah. Can we just say from a structural standpoint that uh, that a political party, within our government, that's what we're talking about here, has it gets, gets to have its own representation instead of the elected attorney general. When they had the elected attorney general on their side, then 
unlimited power, do what, it, do what he wants, do unpopular things like join the Texas lawsuit that could take health care away from over 30 million, 30 million people nationally and, and people in Wisconsin, and then in the lame duck, make sure that they, we, we stay in that lawsuit despite where the public is, right? And so it, it's just stunning, right? They basically, they're authoritarians and they want what they want. And what I mean by that is they claim they're constitutionalists in some way. Well, constitutionally speaking, the attorney general is elected to make That's these right. decisions, okay? And uh, by the way, the maps are rigged by you guys, and you and and in the assembly, for example, majority of the popular vote by a substantial margin went to Democrats. So your rule is illegitimate in the first place. So this is literally, and this is what causes problems all over the world: cementing the authority of a minority of people to uh, as far as you know the business of the state. All the constitutional offices of the state are controlled by Democrats, and it, and now they're going to. And by the way. Their positions on Planned Parenthood women's health, incredibly unpopular. They have there's a strong right wing base that's very active. It's not nothing like a majority of the public. So this is all. That's give, what this is about. Yeah. Let's let's be clear. This is again a highly political move. It shows that Voss and Fitzgerald are, they just haven't changed the playbook. There is no reassessment of what the what the political environment is in the state post the election, uh, and. What their assessment is is that we're going to continue the same damn thing, and we are going to push and play with our base. Uh, as you said, Robert, this is incredibly popular. Uh, th- what they're doing, what they are doing, is unpopular. What Planned Parenthood is asking, in terms of, uh, is is quite frankly unconstitutional. But it's it puts health people's health at risk. Right, and furthermore, they say Josh Call has a record. <laughs> A lengthy record of forwarding the Planned Parenthood agenda. So we talked about quasi-McCarthyism yeah. a couple of weeks ago. This is have you now or have you ever been a member or supporter of Planned Parenthood, in which case we get to hire our own lawyers <laughs> and circumvent the public vote to elect Josh Call Attorney General. This won't be the last we're going to see this, but we're going to continue to track these kinds of activities uh, from the Republicans in the legislature. But we are the battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We've had a great show. We've had Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes, State Treasurer Sarah Godlewski educating us. But we're going to close the show. We're going to talk, Robert, a little bit of um, 2020 politics. So I don't think it's a big shock out there to our listeners, but Wisconsin is basically rising to be the top battleground state we know it'll it's definitely one of the top three or five but this week right the big news milwaukee got the dnc convention democrat national convention and so yeah in case anyone didn't know all right big news and so there's a lot of talk oh about why milwaukee may have gotten it in houston let's be clear milwaukee got this because we are the top battleground state and we've seen it we've had lots of candidates here in town uh, but Robert, this this is a this is big news because it, it one it means we're this is going to be a big spending election, and we're going to be seeing a ton of presidential candidates coming through. We've already had some, uh, but this state, man, you thought you thought the 20, uh, 2016 election was tough on the eyes, watching the uh, screens. Twenty twenty is going to be unlike anything we've probably seen. Right. So first of all, Wisconsin is the top battleground state right now, which puts an onus on 
all of us, including all of the great activists who listen to Battleground Wisconsin, because we've got to win this with a grassroots campaign. But there'll be money poured in, et cetera. But we can't just rely on the national candidate. Remember Hillary, whoever becomes the presidential nominee, uh, deciding that she should go do things in Texas because Wisconsin was a done deal, right? Which is, I know there are denials, but it's pretty clear that's what happened. We were done, Robert. Indeed. Uh, right. <laughs> Exactly. And when I was canvassing outside Chippewa Falls and Lake Holly on Election Day, and there were Trump signs on the Democratic turnout universes, lawns, some of them, which is tells you that we didn't know what was really happening. Uh, so this is all part of that. Obviously, we think Milwaukee is a great place to have a convention independent of all this. It's beautiful, Robert. Beautiful. And it's great to have a Milwaukee. We, San Francisco and New York and Miami don't need another convention, Right. And so, and it's nice in the Midwest. It's the first time it hasn't been in Chicago when it's been Midwestern, in, apparently, in, you know, before World War II, essentially. So this is a huge deal uh, for the upper Midwest, too, which is one of the big challenges. Now, the right has, of course, gone flying monkey they have, right on indeed. this. And so we have Mr. Jefferson, the uh, head of the Republican Party of uh, Confederate Wisconsin. Party? <laughs> oh, the yeah. Republican Party. Sorry. They, that little I, Confederate that flag thing, it, it, that is not you really... You said Jefferson. I thought you were talking about a different... really Jefferson, Jefferson Davis. That's I, I'm sorry. Really, My mistake. I apologize. That That's really not a Confederate flag in their logo. Anyway, Wait, wait, so, hold on. I Let me first apologize to Jefferson, because I'm sure what you're about to read is very reasonable, very reasonable thoughtful. It's Mark so, Jefferson. Okay, Mark Jefferson. I apologize. Before I even hear what you said, I bet you it was very reasonable okay. and would not reflect can anything in, from the Confederacy. Can we intone this? No city in America has stronger ties to socialism than Milwaukee. Dun, 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 dun. And with the rise dun. of Bernie Sanders and the embrace dun, dun, dun. of socialism by the new, dun, dun, dun. new by its newest leaders, dun, dun, dun. the American left has dun, dun, dun. come full circle. Dun, dun, dun. It's only fitting that Democrats dun, dun, dun. would come to Milwaukee. Now, I know Boom. responding to conservatives with facts because they only enters in facts that support their view is you know fool's errand. But let me just point out that. Uh, Bernie Sanders in the primary won 71 of 72 <laughs> counties. Which county did he not win? Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Thank, uh, thank yes. you, folks. You know, I wish Milwaukee <laughs> continued its socialist tradition that ended in 1960 when Mayor Zeidler yes. uh, decided not to stand for re-election. Uh, but it hasn't. It is not a... It is not a, a it is not currently a lot of us who work for social justice in Milwaukee are working to make it again to readopt its heritage. Maybe the convention will help do that, help jump shot that. We have a number of ways we're trying to do that as well. But it it's absurd. And of course the boogeyman of socialism is not gonna work. This is not like right after World War II where we're afraid of Stalin and they're just they just can't stop beating the dead horse hoping that they'll scare everyone about the so the S word. Well look, I actually think this is fascinating because you you brought up a point right 60 so one of the reasons socialism here in milwaukee went down was because it was at the point where race baiting really start to take over in milwaukee politics and the socialists got pushed out because basically the conservatives in milwaukee started race baiting and saying that the socialists and uh zeidler and everyone were we're basically shipping up people from the South, African-Americans up from the South into the cities, right? So there's actually a lesson in this that if we could recreate 
a different vision, right, and overcome these kinds of just ridiculous divides around race, ethnicity, gender, that we actually probably could recreate something similar to that in that there is this legacy out there, but it was undone by our own inability to look past our own prejudices. If we can get over racial agitation, race-based, ethnic-based politics, which empower the right, the right has a very strong incentive to prevent that and to prime the pump, and that's mostly what right-wing talk shows are about. It's like their major theme, and it's dog-whistled, unlike Trump. Trump's the threat because guys like Charlie Sykes, the former talk show was here, didn't like him, is because he was upset he wouldn't use the appropriate dog whistle to signal race, right? And so you're absolutely right. Socialism used to represent, be a cross-racial um, th uh, thing that organized in the interest of people across races for, for economic opportunity, and that was blown up by race baiting. And you're right to point out that the appeals were unbelievable. The accusations were that the socialists were were shipping, and this was a great migration. No one was being shipped. People were escaping an oppressive South Coming looking for, for opportunity. opportunity. Totally, yeah. totally. Yeah, and so it's actually very instructive, Mr. Jefferson. We really appreciate um, your sentiments because it does send all of us a message. Uh, we actually could start to create a much more public system that it helps protect our opportunity, our you know equity and justice, right? Um, but there's a lesson in there. So with that, though, um, we're going to switch topics. We're going to close. We we normally will talk a lot about healthcare. We've been kind of light on healthcare, but we do. There was big news this week. Uh, you may have missed it, but. Uh, State Senator Dale Coyunga this week said that he was open to considering taking the federal Medicaid money to expand Badger Care. And this is really, really big news because we know we need to get a few state senators to put pressure to basically change the dynamic that we could actually get the Medicaid money that's in Governor Evers' budget. And this is also worthy news uh, because Dale Coyunga narrowly won his Senate race against Julie Henze, one of our members who ran on Medicare for All, who ran on single-payer health care, the whole idea that we had to increasingly move to a public system. So uh, it's still three years before Mr. Koyunga will be up again for re-election, but I see somebody who is very worried about health care as an issue, but about his own political future, and is already p potentially laying out that stake. Robert, this is huge news for all of us who care deeply about expanding access to health care. So we've been telling you for a while this is going to be the major flashpoint in the state budget. Uh, we heard in the first segment Lieutenant Governor Manila Barnes say that Tony Evers will stand firm, and it's our belief if he stands firm he will win because the public is overwhelmingly yep. for Badger Care expansion. And this is one of the most nonsensical policies ever, damaging all across the board just for Walker's political gain to cover fewer people for more money, is what his decision was. Strip away all of his various lingo and jargon and talking points. And so we've often also, but you see a Robin Voss who thinks he's the front runner for governor in 2022 on the Republican side, thinking he should play by the old playbook of being against all things Obamacare, even though the whole scene changed in 2017 with the failure of Trump care. They don't have another plan. And so we've always thought there are going to be fissures within the caucus. And we had previous indications. We've heard that Senator Fayen from the, uh, in a swing area, Fond du Lac Oshkosh, has been saying he's open. 
Uh, we heard a rumor last week from one of our board members that uh, Robinson Voss was having a heated debate about Medicaid expansion in a public place at the uh, Tipsy Cow near the Capitol. With Teston, with, Senator Teston? With Voss. It was Voss and Teston. Teston, yeah. Right, Senator Teston from the Stevens Point Wood County area. And now we have Coinga, who is supposed to be the kind of the golden boy, like the next Paul Ryan. He's this one of their no favorite. Moderate. Fair-haired boys, yeah. right? Uh, literally now being open on Medicaid expansion. It's the Senate that has a very small majority. This is going to move in the Senate first. The Assembly is even more, way more rigged in a kind of Soviet style. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, the whole point here, folks, is we got to keep pressure up on this Medicaid issue. Um, if you are at all in uh, Koyanga's district, you should reach out to that office and encourage them. One, they need to know you heard it and that he ought to be really seriously accepting that money. And it goes without saying, it's really impossible to make a lot of other things that we care about in this budget happen if we don't accept uh, uh, these resources. So, And we can say, I would say to, to Dale, yep. who's a very affable guy when you talk to him on the street, that you know, we, you've always telling us how you're there to govern and that you're reasonable, and this flagrant indication that you might actually govern and lead, it, it thrills me. Yeah. And I hope you keep it up, and I hope you're not like Luther Olson always is, where he talks strong and then votes and knuckles down later. Boom, Luther. <laughs> Cowardly lion a-ripping. Robert taking a shot at him. Yeah. He wasn't going to vote for the lame duck bill <laughs> until he did. Yes. So, But look, there's a lot of senators in play, and also you should be contacting your state reps on this issue. This is uh, super important, and it ain't going to go away. It's going to be a major issue throughout uh, this budget process. But with that, we got to wrap up this show. We got to thank Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes for taking the time out of his busy schedule to join us. Sarah, what the Gudluski does the state treasurer do? Uh, it's great having you. Third episode. We look forward to talking more about the state budget with her in April. Uh, but with that, we got to wrap up our podcast again. We really, really look forward to having Rebecca Lynch back next week. We miss you, Rebecca. We're thinking of you. And we'll see you next week here at the Battleground, Wisconsin.